Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you along with Brendan Escott. Brendan's back in the 630 Chet Studios. I'm in T-Mobile Arena. Uh, Dustin Schwartz is on the ice right now with a couple of the Oilers goaltenders. The rest of the team will follow suit momentarily. Royal Pizza, Pizza, uh, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50-plus years. 14 locations in the Edmonton region for you. They're still making it great. You can get their new Canadian Club Pizza with ham, chicken, bacon, ranch, and fresh tomatoes. You can visit royalpizza.ca where the Stauffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. We're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline and go to our Oilers Now headliner for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. Trent and Nicole and the gang at Will Hawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Will Hawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. I will tell you that the first time I heard about our next guest... Shane Knighty was uh, when I was planting trees with Troy Jurdis. And uh, this was with Silverado Silver Culture in the mid 1990s. He said, Stoff, I'm telling you, there's a guy I played with. He was a 16 or 17 year old on the team when I was uh, in PA, and he is going to find a way to get to the NHL. He's a hard nosed, tough defender. Well, he's right. He played over 500 games in the NHL, and we welcome uh, to the show Shane Knighty. Hi, Shane. How you doing? Bob, I, I've never heard that story. Talk about a name from the past. Troy Jurdis. Yeah, he lived. Uh, I actually, when he left, so I was 17, he was a 20 year old, and I believe it was his grandma. We called her Grams. When he moved out, it was the best house to live in. And when he left after a 20 year old, I moved in there. Uh, but yeah, great guy. Oh, wow. I never heard that story before. That's a good one. So as you know, he went on to captain the Alberta Golden Bears and uh, worked with me up north for yep. several. That's how I basically paid to work in the broadcast business was doing that in the summer. Uh, Troy ended up marrying Dr. Stedward's uh, daughter, Bobby Joe. Uh, Dr. Stedward was on the IOC for a number of years, former athletic director of the U of A. And... Uh, just a great guy. He's a teacher now uh, in the uh, just outside of Edmonton. Wonderful guy. Hard-nosed, tough defenseman. Wasn't very yeah. big, but he had the scouting report pegged on the former PA Raider. Now, when did they start calling you the sheriff? Was that uh, what point did you become Ottawa. the sheriff? That wasn't until Ottawa. I'll, I'll give you the, the brief story. It was uh, so. It was my first year, two thousand. And it was after, and this is, you go back to a different time, right? Yashin yeah. sat out the whole previous season because of, you know, labor. Back then, that was frowned upon by the rest of the players. Why would a guy, well, you know, make us all look bad sitting out, this and that? So the next year, every- Alberta Emergency Alert, Evacuation Order, Lac-Saint and County. Township Road 553 to Township Road 555, Range Road 51 to Range Road 54. Correction to Previous Alert Area. Mandatory Evacuation Order for all people between Township 553 and Township 555, and Range Roads 51 to 54. All people in the impacted area must immediately evacuate. Go to the Mayerthorpe Diamond Center 491854th Street in Mayerthorpe. (laughs) 
All right. Welcome back, everybody. Again, an emergency broadcast system notice for you. It's uh, 1.38 in Edmonton. We're going to reconnect with the sheriff, Shay Knighty. He was telling the story, how he got his nickname. So you go into the corner. They're working over Yashin. Peter Orwell, uh, super huge heavyweight. Todd Simpson, yeah. who had a nasty left hand. And what, what ended yeah. up transpiring? Well, I ended up getting in a fight kind of with both of them. I came flying, you know, kind of like a little Superman leap into the pile. Was, I think it was in the corner in the offensive zone, so I had to come from the blue line. Anyways, scrum ensued, fight. Next day in the paper, Don Brennan's headline was Sheriff Shane 90 to the rescue. So you know how guys are, and they uh, they pick up on that stuff pretty quick. So, yeah, it was the sheriff in Ottawa. I kind of lost it a bit. On a few of my other trips, then I really got picked up again in Boston at the end of my career. And it carries over to some people, some doesn't. And I always say, hey, call me what you want. I, I could be called a lot worse things, so if, uh, I'll stick with the sheriff. I think I have been called a lot worse things over the years, yeah, Shane. Uh, hey, you, you, speaking about Boston, we were talking about this earlier because the Bruins rallied twice that year down, and you were more of a, I think in fairness, that stage was the end of your career, more of a support player, but yep. you're down 2 nothing a, a couple times, including Vancouver. I'm sure it wouldn't surprise you if I told you how many fans in Edmonton, because I was hosting the show at that time on, and, and doing the color, wanted the Bruins to win the Cup. They didn't want Vancouver to win. Did you feel the love <laughs> from the rest of Canada? that year in the playoffs from the rest of the league that <laughs> vancouver team was not well like canada the league guys and yeah it was uh it was overwhelming and to be interesting and fair i know you hear it a lot but can i think we had the most canadians on a team that year in the nhl i think we had somebody like 16 in boston yep. Uh, Canadian guys, so, but uh, yeah, it was remarkable. It was a great run to be part of, big part, uh, you know, behind the scenes, leadership group and whatever was, was brought in, and uh, uh, great run, great memories. All right, you start your career in Winnipeg and you come to Vegas, and obviously there's the Kelly McCrimmon connection. Uh, that's a given, and what an I, I, and I don't know how tight you are with Kelly, and, and you know that he had he still been the assistant GM before, you know, Bob Nicholson sort of pivoted to, to Ken Holland. Kelly Kelly was at the top of my list to get the job yeah. in Edmonton when Pete Shirelli was removed. But uh, just a thought on why it has worked so well here in Vegas, why they've had a remarkably uh, competitive team right from the get-go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal in a, in a, when I think about it, when I think about taking the job and talking about, okay, an expansion team year one, what are you going to talk about on air? There's going to be a lot of long nights and uh, I've never gotten to that. Um, I, I give credit to George and Kelly, just the expansion draft and uh, exposing everything they could to to make the team good then and to the scouting staff for, you know, finding guys, finding a Riley Smith and Carlson and Marcia So, and, um, you know, obviously getting Flurry was a huge cornerstone, of, you know, goaltending piece at that point. And, you know, in a sense, the success they had year one just immediately, when you, when you can do what they did, it, it's just phenomenal. I say it's the most historic inaugural season in pro sports, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people agree or disagree, whatever. Um, and with success becomes, you know, comes everything else. Now expectations have gone up. All of a sudden, you know, you thought of building this organization over, you know, three-year period, it's gone over success one. So how do you, 
now it becomes almost more of a challenge because you got to continue to keep that standard there. And, and they have, obviously, lots of moves. Uh, Kelly's been very busy. I've known Kelly, by the way, since I was 14. I grew up in Nipawa, Manitoba, 45 minutes away from Brandon, where he had the Wheat Kings. And, uh, of course, played for his brother Brad in, uh, in Atlanta, was my D coach, one of the best human beings uh, I ever got to, to play for. Um, so there, there's ties there. And, yeah, Kelly's always been known as an aggressive, competitive GM and at that time owning in the Western Hockey League. Uh, and he's he's done everything he can to keep this team competitive and to build a team that he wants to, to win the Stanley Cup. Well, it's, it's crazy when you think about it, Shane, because the Golden Knights are in on everything, and they're relentless. And to illustrate the point, uh, Vegas gave up a first, a second, and a third for Tatar. They then sent Tatar yeah. and Suzuki, who was a pretty good pick for them, uh, and a second-round pick to get patch ready. And, and they ended up moving Pacioretty because they needed to get the cap space moved out on Pacioretty in order to, to facilitate all the maneuvering the last couple of years. But they went out and landed, you know, Petrangelo and Eichel, like a, a first-pairing right-shot D and a number-one center. And because they have success, nobody questions maybe moves that didn't work out because they're never done making moves. That's the thing to me about Vegas. They are literally in on every big player that's potentially out there. You know what I'm saying? You forgot, you forgot one. Captain Mark Stone. Well, that was a yeah. That was a that's a yeah. But that's a trade. You <laughs> look at one. that. You look at that trade, and you go, "Well, that's just a great trade." Like they gave up Brandstrom, fifteenth yeah. overall pick. You know, maybe he's a five in the league. They won that deal all day. Nobody would debate that for a second. The Buffalo trade's a good trade for both teams. Like you know, Tuck's a great player. Yeah. Uh, really nice. Right? Like, you know, that was a good trade for both trades. But my point is, even when they maybe, like, you know, the overpayment for Tatar, looking back at it, nobody would even look at how, because when the team's sitting there in first in the Western Conference, I just tip my hat to how relentless they are in terms of the machinations and the movements. Like, literally, they are nonstop. And I, 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 that's got to be an exciting thing to be around on a day-to-day basis. There, there, there is. There's always excitement because... Uh, you know, and it's competitive. The owner's competitive, and, and Kelly and George, they've come in and, you know, they've been given, you know, all the tools to make this these deals happen. Um, it's exciting. You know, it, it's great to be a part of it, and, and there's a lot of hockey people that appreciate it. There's a lot of fan bases that's been around forever. That That's why Vegas is disliked so much is because they are a team that, they don't just sit and wait. They go after it. And, you know, you wonder how long that can keep going. It, it it seems now they've got a lot of guys locked in. And, you know, you hope you have a little bit from underneath. This is the first year we saw them at least have some guys they develop because that becomes the question. You know, Paul Cotter kind of stepped up this year. Uh, you know, Pavel Dorofiev, he looks like he could be a player. You know, and but then they've they've had other guys kind of. You know, Zach Whitecloud was a great find. In my opinion, this guy could be a top four in most teams, and you know he plays on the five six pairing here. A good signing. Uh, you know, Michael Amadio has resurrected his career. Chandler Stevenson might be their best trade ever because we, you know, fourth liner in Washington. Now he's him and Mark Stone. When they're together, they're just dynamite. And he was a guy Washington was just giving away. Um, because he's a fourth line, now all of a sudden you find out he's a one-two center uh, that can put up points. So they've been able to make a, a lot of trades. They said some uh, they paid too much and didn't work out, but the, the majority of them have been, you know, very favorable for them in, in what they want to build the team and a competitive team here that's been really good. 
We're joined right now by the sheriff, Shane Knight. He works on the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast as well as TNT. He is our Oilers now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Bob Stoffer live at T-Mobile Arena. When I saw the predictions from around the league, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and the reason why I saw it, because I'm 80% of the pundits had Edmonton winning the series. And I'm thinking, yeah. about, I'm like, Hey, Vegas held the Oilers off with the great second-half surge they had. And make no mistake, you're on an Oilers broadcast. I took Edmonton in, I think I said seven, ultimately. And I had the Oilers yeah. in six in L.A. But, and it, you know, and I think we both think it's probably going to be a long series. But you know players. When they know that the, there's a preponderance of, you know, some individuals, ah, oh, you know, the Oilers are... And Vegas has got all that experience. They'd like nothing more than to shove it, you know, right where, right? Like, it just, I, I was just like, no, no, no. Like, like, we need some more people. Like, you know what? It worked to Edmonton's advantage last year that the majority of the people picked uh, Calgary. Because it put a yeah. burr in the saddle of the Oilers players. And do you think that maybe occurred with Vegas with how they came out like a house on fire in game one? Absolutely. And to, to that, even more so, there were people in round one that picked Winnipeg. So, you know, the Golden Knights, and I think, the, you know, there's nothing better than a chip on the shoulder. You look at their best season ever was year one. Nobody believed in them, and they just fed off of that. There was a bunch of guys that, you know, teams didn't want them. That's why they're here with an expansion team. Then as a group, they were counted out from the beginning. And even as they got successful, people said, it's going to burn out. It's going to burn out. And it didn't until, you know, losing Stanley Cup, which they lost to a better team in Washington, no question. Um, so I think there's a bit of that fuel they had from year one back for them right now uh, with the doubts and with people, you know, not assuming. I, it's always better to play that way than have the expectations of everybody expects you to win because then you carry a little more pressure. You need to look no further than the Boston Bruins. Um, it's tough to play when those expectations are there. When they're not, it makes it easier, and you have a little more drive to go out and get it done. That said, I think, you know, they've got to have an awareness that game one wasn't Edmonton's best, and I think they do, and they know they've got to up their game because uh, I agree. I think this could be a long series and uh, very close. It's it's interesting when I look at the dynamics of these teams because, you know, what drives that, you know, Edmonton obviously needs their, in my opinion, they're going to need their depth to kick it kick in here to have a chance to be better, but their high-end guys are off the charts. So, you know, to me right now, the best player in the world is Leon Dreisaitl. You know, Connor McDavid still is most talented and and could easily take over. They're one, two, but what Dreisaitl's doing right now, he's just an incredible superstar. And, you know, it's hard to slow down those two guys because I don't know if they left the ice in the third period, but the Golden Knights, their success all year has been their depth. Yeah. Different guys stepping up. Different. They they roll four lines, and all four of those lines are comfortable playing against whoever's on the other side. So, you know that's gonna that's gonna be the challenge. Can can high end talent take you know what's been Golden Knights go to? You know, look at Edmonton's success here. You look at what Drysaddle, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins did. Three hundred point guys, just incredible. Um, I like Bouchard. I think his elevated role has made their power play better. Because his threat of a shot, which I don't think they had with Barry, yep. makes them more dangerous. At home, obviously, a huge addition. So, you know, those areas, that, that, it's, it's fascinating, though. It's kind of going to be, you know, is it, can that high-end 
you know, because it is. It's a drop-off. I think Gold Knights have less drop-off from their high end to their bottom. And can it can it be that whole team aspect versus the elite, elite guys? And we'll watch and find out. I got one more for you. There's something else that the Vegas Golden Knights did that I think really helped the organization. All right? So Robert Redford was the horse whisperer. Sean Burke is the goalie whisperer. This team, Shane... Shane, this team was not top 10 in the league in goals, four goals yeah. against power play and PK in the regular season. But they were seventh in the league in save percentage, and they used four different goaltenders in four consecutive games. And I, I'm looking at Brissouan. I know he's healthy, and he was always a good athlete, but he's way better than he used to be. And Aiden Hill. 100%. Aiden Hill bounced back. And I know they got Freddie down on the farm that helped out uh, Freddie Brathwaite working with another former PA Raider. You you did play with this guy. I played against him. But Manny Viveros was the best 66-born player in Alberta when I grew up. Him and Todd Ewan. Yeah. And uh, they used to destroy us every game. But, you know, Freddie was down on the farm, the former Oiler. And obviously Burke came in. And I just look at the goaltending, and it's been every goaltender. So when that happens, to me, there's something that happened there. So maybe you could speak to what the addition of Burke has meant to the organization. I think it's huge. I think he, he, you know, he played for so long. He's a guy that's been in all levels of, of teams, and he has a real good mind for goaltending. He's not – he doesn't ask too much of his goaltenders. And I think it's a collaboration with Bruce Cassidy and the defensive system they play. You know, you see a lot of man-on-man. They're not a man-on-man team. They're, they're patient. They're allowed to keep everything on the outside. So they're, I, I think what they ask of their goalies is not to make those sliding cross. Well, you might have to against the Oilers' power play, but you know what I'm saying, those dynamic yep. saves you see flurry and those really athletic, quick-feet goaltenders. Um, they want them more, I think, just – to stop shots. Burke wants them to get in front, to play calm, to play positional, to play the angles, to be comfortable in net, a lot, and then to trust the defensive system that you're not going to have to worry about a lot of in tight, giving up very, you know, those grade A opportunities back door or in the close slot. So I think it's been a collaboration with Burke. And then I also think he's a great sounding bar for these guys because, you know, he played for so long, he's played in all situations. Um, he's got a really calm demeanor about him, um, and I and I think it's it, it's helped these goalies, and I think it's helped restore their confidence uh, when they're playing. Every goalie that's gone in has been very confident. You mentioned the four goalies. Yuri Patera has played well. Logan Thompson was having a terrific year before he got injured. Aiden Hill had his best numbers. Lorber, like you can go through these guys. It's it's really fascinating, and it's a it's a good point by you because I think Sean Burke. A huge addition here and the collaboration he had with the style of game Bruce Cassidy wanted this team to play and then what they would expect out of your goaltenders. So I think the goaltenders going now kind of what we're going to expect for shots, what our load is going to look like for a load work will look like in a game has maybe given them that extra confidence. So it's worked out to this point, but still still the hardest parts to come. Shane, great stuff. Uh, thanks for taking the uh... 20 minutes to join us here in Oilers now. Uh, no problem, Bob. I'm expecting the beef jerky. Was a, Do I get some in the mail? or what you know, Do you know what? I actually could make that happen. Trent, I, I could... Uh, we do drop some off for our guests during the course of the year. That I could that I could make happen next season for sure. Uh, next Actually, season I can we'll make, make it. Sure. Awesome. I could make it happen uh, if there's a game five. Put it that way. Let's hope there's a game five. I think we both expect yeah. there will be. That I can make happen. Great. Right. Awesome That's stuff. Deal. 
All right. Awesome stuff. Thanks very much. That is Shane Knighty uh, from the Vegas Golden Knights TV broadcast. Works a lot of games for TNT as well. Bob Stoffer with you. The Oilers have hit the ice. It's going to be a quick one today. Uh, 12.53 in Vegas. It is 1.53 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. You're listening to Oilers now. It's 12.57 in Edmonton. Craig has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Says, Bob, somebody finally... Someone from Vegas that has a realistic view of the Oilers in this series. That one comes to us from Craig, referring to Shane Knighty. And, yeah, Edmonton's going to need more support from their support players. Can't just... uh, uh, be. You know, is it a breakdown between a deeper... All right, there you have it. So uh, Drayton Valley under duress, to say the least, right now. Hang in, everybody. Back in Alberta, off to a global news weather traffic update where Randy Kilburn will have more information.